Hey, hello. How are we doing? Uh, welcome to episode 38 of North Point Plus. That means we have done 38 of these puppies here. Uh, if you, in case it's the first time, I was doing math in my head. First time you've jumped in, uh, North Point Plus is where uh, is podcast follow-up messages from Sunday morning. It's a really great opportunity to answer some questions, wrestle with some topics, and do a deeper dive maybe from some of the things that came up on Sunday. And so if you're a regular attender with us, if you're in person or if you're watching online, uh, we recognize that sermons are one-way deliveries, and we don't love that. And this is a great way that we try to figure out how do we turn yeah. it a little more into a conversation with that in mind, even this, while it's a little more dialogue, and we're going to tackle some questions that came from Sunday. Uh, we also would encourage you guys to like this, leave a comment, keep the discussion going, share it, do all that stuff that you do on social media to help get this out and yep. keep this more dialogue and less just video driven. So, uh, well, I'm one of your hosts, Mark Adkins, and to my left <laughs> is Chris Carter. That's not true. I'm not. It's almost true. Well, not even it's close. 50 /50. No, physically different, mentally emotionally sarcastically but spiritually spiritually the same we're brothers the same. yeah we're, we're that's well, i got <laughs> theologically deep real quick which brings me so i'm chris carter and uh, mark preached uh, two days ago this is this is follow-up from uh, uh memorial day yeah, so we're we, a little late we kind of left off a day there because yep. uh, i've taken uh, uh, a day just to enjoy family and friends and also take a minute just to um remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice so yep. if you're watching and you're uh, connected to that. You've got family members. You know that story. Like, we appreciate that. And yep. uh, so that was a good day yesterday. So it's Tuesday, and we're shooting this today. Mark, how you doing? You feeling good? Great. Yeah. Had a great Memorial Day weekend. Good time good. with family and friends. Good. A little bit of time to, like you said, remember what yeah. the actual day off was for, yeah, which was a, cool. And then my sister got married that day, too. She now has um, my sister's anniversary will be the same as my parents' anniversary, grandparents' anniversary. They were all married on May 30. So That's that adorable. worked out really well, which cool. was fun. What happened yeah. to you? Oh. You were not married on May 30. That was a. Uh, <laughs> it's better that that anniversary aligns with her. <laughs> like twins, it skips a generation or exactly, something exactly. like that. So, anyways, all right. So, two <laughs> days ago, uh, you preached, uh, finished the series, the series we were finishing yes. called Who Cares? Really, this concept of uh, evangelism, although we didn't really use that right. word, but this idea of what it means to uh, uh, share this good news, this truth of Jesus with other people. Less yep. of a program, much more about relationship, that kind of stuff. Right. So, you brought it home. Just uh, uh, what is it that you were and people would remember or in terms of recap like what was the big idea there yeah yeah so we have been like you said we've been going through this series called who cares uh, i think sunday was the fifth week um and we had been talking as a as a team about okay what's how do we want to wrap this up and we had been talking and said okay we've we've spent about four weeks and i think it's necessary to emphasize over four weeks the importance of building relationships because our default tends to be the check-the-box evangelism of, I'm going to go knock on doors, hand yeah. out tracts, I'm going to say these words, I'm going to present the gospel, and then my evangelism's done, I can go home, I can have dinner, and yeah. I don't have to talk to anyone again. Yeah. So we spent four weeks really hammering home the importance of evangelism is relationship building. Yeah. It's it's organically sharing Jesus out of the overflow of your life. Um, and then in the in that conversation, we said, okay, it it is also important that while we are building relationships, that we as a church equip ourselves with an understanding of what a relationship with Jesus means mm -hmm. for our own benefit and for the benefit of the people around us. Um, and so we landed in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, which talks about um, a lot of different things. There's so much in Ro Romans. <laughs> it's just an insane book. Um, but the three things that I highlighted um, were the importance of 
the theological term justification, the importance of being declared innocent of all your sin before God through the through the work of Jesus, of being brought into relationship, um, the hope that we have in salvation through Jesus in the midst of suffering was the second one, so that we can offer hope to a world that is lost and hurting. And then the last one that I said was the most important is these true these first two truths don't matter if we if people don't know that God loves them. Hmm. Um, so you can tell people they're going to be innocent of sin, and if they don't know that God loves them, they're going to hate that truth yeah, sure. <laughs> because. Why are you? Why are you accusing me of being guilty of something? Right. Um, and the same thing of hope in the midst of suffering is well, why am I suffering anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing that God loves you, that's that's where we have to land in every conversation we have with someone about Jesus yeah. is God loves you, and that's theologically true and spiritually true and experientially true. Like mm-hmm. that is just the truest thing that God communicates over and over and over again is tell people that I love them, yeah. <laughs> and that's what will draw them to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Love yeah. it a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, so we got some questions, four questions, uh, and I'm just going to tackle those, in, or I'm going to ask those. You get to tackle them, which is <laughs> great for me. Well, I'm going to pass the buck to you. So <clears throat> says, uh, this this question was submitted from Instigator. <laughs> I don't know if that's a person or if that's like a group of people, like QAnon or something like that, but <laughs> I don't know who that is. But anyway, so if it's a person that called themselves Instigator. I love it. Yeah, good for you. All right, here's the question. Uh, they said, I don't understand. So if Jesus covers all of our sins and clears us of our guilt when we sin, then what's the big deal if I sin if God is just going to give forgive me anyways? Yeah. So that big uh, that big question of why can't I just sin it up? Yep. Yeah. So this I'm assuming comes from there's a point um, in my message where I was talking about, and I actually want to want to bounce this phrase off to you to see if if there's a way that you would tweak the wording or if there's a way that you would uh, tweak the understanding of it. Um, the the thing that I wanted to emphasize about justification is that when you are in Christ, Paul makes a distinction throughout the letter of Romans that there's a difference between in Absolutely. Christ and outside of Christ, yep. being adopted and yep. being being someone who rejects Jesus. And where I landed with that is that if you are in Christ, you will never experience the wrath of God. Yep, I agree. Um, and so that's where I think this question comes from. So before we dive into the question... yeah. You said that's a phrase you agree with. Sure. Is there a tweak to that? Is there some way that you would unpack that differently or say that differently? No. I, the, the imagery that I often use is that when uh, in Christ, to yeah. use that language, uh, when God looks at me, yep. he sees me through the lens of Christ. Right. So all the broken pieces of me, all the sinful pieces of me are not things that he sees because those pieces are covered right. by Christ. But yep. same thing. Yep. yep. Yeah. So I'm assuming that this instigator question comes from from that. Um, and this is why I love the book of Romans is that Paul anticipates this question in the next chapter. So in Romans five, Paul talks about justification, that you are completely washed yeah. clean. All of your sins are done away with. They've been absorbed through Jesus on the cross. Well, and, and I'm going to interrupt because it's a yeah. logical question in a lot of ways, because right. I think about if, if, um, if I had the ability to eat anything I wanted to and never gain weight or never have heart disease or whatever, why would I eat healthy? Like, right. I would just eat right. crap all the time. The stuff that tasted good to me, which probably will equate to, right. to crap, or convenient, you <laughs> right. know? I, don't, I wouldn't eat a lot of salads. I don't need to. There's somebody out there who's like, well, I really like salads. God bless you. God bless um, you and your other friend. <laughs> I, I do. I like salads, too, but I eat them because they're healthful. So same right. idea. Like, well, if sin doesn't, if sin doesn't count against us, right. why... Right. Why bother? Yes, and so Paul Paul anticipates this question. We'll get to to what Paul says in Romans six, but and this I'm I'm not calling out the instigator because you've you've identified yourself as instigator, so I think you're playing along with the hypothetical question. Yeah. Um, but the heart that Paul anticipated behind that question was, 
these people will think that sin doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's not what Paul is saying. Sin mattered so much yeah. that Jesus had to die for it. Mm-hmm. So sin matters, and it still matters. It's just what does what does a follower of Jesus' life look like when they are in Christ versus not in Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paul anticipates this question um, in Romans 6, and basically... Uh, if you read Romans 6, the chapter starts with, are we to sin all the more that grace may abound, which right. is a really th- theological, academic way of saying, can we just sin more so that God gives us more grace? Yeah, even better. So like, we'll be even more saved yeah. if we sin more because we get more grace. Yeah. And Paul, <laughs> depending on the translation you use, Paul is I mean, Paul is harsh and the different translations are uh-huh. different ways. It's hilarious. Yep. So I actually looked up in the Greek, um, in the ESV, which is the translation I default to the most, Paul says, by no means, right. absolutely not. May it never that. be. Yeah, and may I it mean. never be is another one. Yep. Uh, in the Greek, it means, it's, it's two words that says not or don't, and then to create into existence. Mm-hmm. So Paul literally says, don't even let this idea come into existence for you. Like, I like it, yeah. It, it's not supposed to be a concept that followers of Jesus follow mm-hmm. um, because sin matters. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I understand the gravity of sin and the weight of sin and that any sin that I take or that I choose to do is an action directed against God. So if I'm in Christ and I'm adopted by God, my heart doesn't want me to take action against God because that's who I'm for now. It doesn't mean that Christians don't sin. It doesn't mean that if you do sin, you're not a Christian, that you're not a follower of Jesus. Right. It just means the heart behind that isn't going to try to take advantage of the system that says, oh, I can kind of do whatever I want now. Right. <laughs> like, I'm right. not going to feel the wrath of God, so Yay. bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, you come. I, I know you've got uh, experience working with college students. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done uh, student life, high schoolers, and college for decades. And um, I'm sure you get this question. We get this question all the time from a guy, usually, <laughs> not always, but mm-hmm. that that says, "How far can I go with my girlfriend mm-hmm. and it not be sin?" <laughs> and that's really, in essence, kind of a, a real practical outpouring of that question right there. How right. far in sin can I go and it not be sin? What's not? And, and I'm going to just guess that your answer is probably the same as my answer, which is it's really the wrong question. Right. You know, it's really the wrong question. Not how, how much sin can we have, endure, or how much sin can we get close to. Right. But really the, 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 the pattern of thinking for someone who's in Christ is different. Right. Yeah, the way, the way I usually render that, because, yes, I've gotten that question. I have no doubt. From, from college <laughs> students, from, from soon out of college graduates. Uh, and the way I usually answer the question is it's, you can live your life like that. Mm-hmm. I can't stop you from living your life of, okay, this is the boundary of what is and is not sin, and I'm going to go right up to the boundary right. because I found the boundary of what is and is not sin, and I'm just going to go right up to that fence line. And I, th- what I usually tell people is if, if that's your target where you're going to aim is I'm going to get as close to not sin as possible, right. then that's where you're going to end up every time is right. you're going to be that close to sin, and you're going to inevitably fall over that line. Whereas the follower of Jesus, I think it's better for our target to be on Christ yeah. and on God. How close can I get be to Jesus? Right. What would he want me to do? What makes him right. the happiest in this scenario, right. whether it's with my girlfriend or right. at work? Or, yeah, I'm with you. Yep. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I think so. that's just a better a better way to live our life, which I think is what Paul gets at through Romans 5, I, 6, and 7. I agree is, wholeheartedly. This this concept of being a Christ follower for, for the... The Jewish, especially, but also the Gentile listener to Paul. Right. You know, I think in Romans written to Gentiles. Am I right? Correct me. I think so. I think so. Um, uh, it, it just really a turn upside down 
the, the, right. the thinking pattern for these people who are yes. following this Jesus way. Yeah. It's just a whole different... Yeah, the book of Romans is like the way Paul handles this argument of how he lays out his case is still... I think Rick mentioned this in the podcast a few months ago, that there are legal scholars yeah. that still write cases based on how yeah. Paul structures arguments in Romans. Yeah. And Paul, like, this is how I got through college, so maybe <laughs> don't take advice from this, but you can lengthen your papers by doing what Paul does, where you just anticipate hypothetical questions. Yeah. So it seems like with every turn of the chapter in Romans, there's some question that Paul anticipates from his audience of, okay, you've been saved and your sin is totally taken care of when you're in Christ. Yeah. So the logical question is, uh, well, then I can just sin all I want. Yeah. Paul says, no, because yeah. a follower of Jesus follows Jesus who doesn't sin. And then the anticipated question after that and goes on through the rest of the book, basically. It's yeah. just answering questions that Paul anticipates. Yeah, like it like it. Good stuff. Good. All right. Second question here. Uh, no name, or at least it just says submitted question. Uh, they're using the verse Proverbs 15, verse 10. It says that Proverbs 15, 10 says there is harsh discipline for the one who turns from righteousness. Mm. How does that fit with the message of Jesus taking our discipline on the cross? Yeah. So this, again, I think ties into that concept of if you're in Christ, you'll never experience the wrath of God. Yeah. Um, because all of that wrath is poured out on Jesus on the cross. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in this life, and I sin, yep. why do I feel the consequences of sin? Yep. And I think that's part of the answer, yep. <laughs> is that you're in this life, yep. you're feeling the consequences of sin, so if I, if I work at this church and I start taking tithe money and embezzling funds, and that's found out, there will be necessary consequences that I would feel from that. Yep. Even though that's a sin yep. that I believe Jesus has paid for, yep. so that when I stand before God, that's a list of sins that's added to Jesus' docket, not mine, mm -hmm. because Jesus pays for it. But I'm still going to, I'm, and I should feel the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. I should probably be let go from my job. Mm -hmm. I should probably pay the funds back. Sure. I should probably do some sort of communal service, whether that's doing time in prison <laughs> or paying the fine in addition or whatever it might be. There's necessary oh. consequences to that. Um, so that's one piece is realizing that we still live in a fallen world where there should be consequences for mm -hmm. the for a lot of the actions that we take. Mm -hmm. The distinction that I think we need to make as followers of Jesus is there's a difference between discipline and condemnation. Mm. So in Christ, I am not condemned anymore, right. even though I feel the discipline right. from God. And I think that's the key is recognizing that discipline from God is designed to pull me closer to God. Yep. To, yep. Uh, like in Proverbs, it says discipline awaits the person that from for the translation I looked at that strays from the path. Mm -hmm. So discipline is meant to be kind of this thorn that yeah. pushes you and it's like, ah, that hurts, but it pushes you back on the path. And so that's a loving thing for God yeah. to actually do. Not condemning you, not saying, hey, you left the path. Guess what? You're dead to me. <laughs> like that's <laughs> condemnation. Right. That's what wrath of God feels like. Is yeah. is that's and I think it's in Romans two or three, where God actually says that he's storing up wrath for those that continue to reject him. Yeah, so absolutely. wrath, I don't know, maybe this is something I need to work out more, but wrath, the wrath of God isn't really something that we feel currently because that's right. being stored up for those that will be condemned. Right. Um, whereas the discipline of God is designed to say, hey, like if you continue on this, there's going to be consequences for you, for the people around you, that this will hurt. And eventually this can demonstrate that, hey, you're probably not, in Christ. And so that's that's a good warning to get back on the path. Yeah, no, I think you're on to that. I, I, some of it is language yep. problem because, in, again, in English, we use the word discipline to mean lots of things. But right. like in Punishment. Hebrews, it talks about God disciplines those he loves. Mm. 
and discipline. And we would understand that as parents, good parents, right. uh, enact discipline on their kids, not not out of wrath. I mean, good parents, not right. out of wrath. Right. And and frankly, I'd submit not out of punishment, but rather out of a heart to train uh, foolishness out of a kid or right. to show that uh, this isn't a good, healthy way to go. When we were talking about this earlier, I looked it up in the message version, which is not like the inspired version, but I really like how Peterson often phrases things. And this is what he says in verse 10. He says, it's a school of hard knocks for those who leave God's path. Hmm. And I, I just think that's that's interesting and, and brings us to that point that um, yeah. living outside of the way God would have us live will go badly for us. Yeah. It just stinks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, that's, this goes back to what we were talking earlier, is mm-hmm. that's, this is this is a consequence of the world that we live in. You know, when we are in heaven, I don't think we'll experience the discipline of falling off the path because right. there will be no opportunity. We to won't be able yeah. to fall off right. the path. Right. right. So there, that like that aspect we talked about in the message of there's these things in Revelation that talks about there's no more death, no more pain, no mm. more sorrow. Every tear will be wiped from your eyes. And this is another thing that in heaven. There's no need for discipline. There's no need for punishment. There's no need for these little thorn pricks to say, hey, get, get back on the path, get back right. on the path, because you're so in Christ right. that you can't get out of it. Right, and even what you're talking about there is different than the wrath of God. Those are right. two completely different things. Right, yep, yeah. exactly. Good, I like so. it. I don't know, I hope that helped. I hope, that, I hope so. I hope that solved it. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yep. uh, all right, third one. Uh, how do you talk to people about Jesus and salvation to people you know will be offended by what you have to say and keep the friendship? There's five questions in here. <laughs> <laughs> how do you talk to people? How do you talk to people about <laughs> Jesus and salvation to people you know who, who you know will be offended? I have questions about that. Mm. Uh, and then keep the friendship. Which, yeah. which piece of that question would you like to carve <laughs> off first? Um... I think we've I think over the last few weeks we've talked a lot about how do you talk to people about Jesus and salvation? Yeah. Building relationships. Um I th- I think the 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 thing that I have kind of found over my life and th- this actually comes from um so before I was in ministry I was in marketing <laughs> which <laughs> is its own thing. Uh but one of the things we talked about in the marketing world is that people want to talk about their pain points. Mm. So I worked at a Christian university. That's an expensive place to go. Hmm. I went to that Christian university. Amen. It's an expensive place to go. It is. Uh, and so the the default thinking when you get into that kind of position is to think, okay, we should not talk about how expensive it is hmm. because hmm. that's going to bring up how uncomfortable people are going to be. And the reality is that people want to talk about the things that are obstacles. Interesting. So talk about your pain points because then I can, this is the manipulative part of marketing, then I can shape the story of how you perceive pain points Interesting. for the university. So yeah. I can say it is expensive, but it's valuable. Yeah, It's going to take a long time to pay off, but you're going to be able to pay it off because of the good job you get or whatever it sure. might be. If you remove the manipulative side of that, <laughs> come yeah. into the, uh, yeah. the follower of Jesus mindset, people have pain points in their life. Mm. And you get to see those through building relationships. So if Chris and I are building a relationship, Chris can start to see, hey, it seems like in Mark's life, finances are a pain point, or his marriage is a pain point, or parenting his kids, or his job, or whatever. And you start to see these pain points, because they come up often. People complain about their jobs, or whatever it might be. And then you have the opportunity to speak Jesus into pain points, Mm -hmm. because Jesus talks about finances Mm -hmm. and marriage and parenting and work and all of these things. And by understanding that relationship, then it doesn't become this thing of, and and you alluded to this, but how you responded to the Mm. question of, I just think they're going to be offended. So I'm not going to say anything. Right. Um, Because usually people offer up a lot of their pain points. There's some things that we don't like to be vulnerable with deeper, darker sins that we think 
you know, everyone's going to be ashamed of us. Which is fine. We just don't share those then. I mean, they're probably not sharing them with you. Right. Right. So it's not going to be something you bring up to offense anyway. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing. There's there's other things, but I'm curious what you think of of that aspect of addressing pain points in people's lives. No, I I like that concept a ton. That's really it's really fascinating from a marketing standpoint, and it Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. I I think we do use this as an excuse. Well, I don't want to be offensive to somebody, so so I'm not going to say anything, and uh, and I'll just somehow hope the Holy Spirit figures it out, which at the end of the day, it is the Holy Spirit's problem. It is his job to figure it out, but he uses us to do that. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I don't think people are offended by what we say as much as how we say it. Right. So if a statement starts with, you should, I don't care how you finish it, right. I'm probably going to be offended. <laughs> don't, right. don't tell me what I should do. You don't even know me. You don't know my thing. But, right. but, to, but to posture to people's lives, they talk about who Jesus is in my own life. It's just not an offensive. It doesn't have to be an offensive thing. So right. We use that as an excuse. Yeah, and I think, I think we use that as an excuse because Jesus says his message will divide people. Right. Um, and so there's, uh, somewhere in Matthew, Jesus mm-hmm. talks about, you know, I, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword to divide and I'm going to, you know, set mothers against daughters and fathers against sons and all that stuff. And, and we tend to take that and think, right. well, then I'm, if I'm offensive, I'm doing the right thing. Oh my. I'm doing a good job because yeah. this is what Jesus said it would be. Yeah. And there's a difference. This is what I would posit. There's a difference between people being offended by Jesus and yeah. offended by the gospel yes. than being offended by you. Right. And that's what we have to understand and right. work out is, okay, and I, I wrestle with this question all the time, is am I presenting the good news of the gospel the way that Jesus presented the gospel? Mm-hmm. Because if people are rejecting that and being offended by that, people did that to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there's some aspect of that where people might hear the gospel and mm-hmm. think, no, mm-hmm. that's not for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. People can think that. That's that's their response to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how much of that is because I'm beating them over the head, w- walking them down the Romans road, <laughs> trying to get them to... Well, and it, 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 so I'll just suggest it. I don't, I don't really want to solve it. I just want to throw it out there and let it hang. But if, if this is something you're curious about, if this is your question, I'd encourage you to spend some time. Just walk through, pick a gospel, any of them, walk through it and figure out who was offended by Jesus. Mm. And who wasn't, or who did Jesus offend? Let's put it that way. And who did Jesus not offend? Right. And uh, I, I think that's surprising. I yes. would suggest that he didn't offend those who had pain points and were hurting right. and were open to uh, sharing those. But the right. folks that were offended were on a different, I don't want to give it away, we're on a different side of a spectrum. Right. And, um, so that just that be, that matters all of a sudden. Yes. And so in our normal relationships with people, now I can I can imagine some scenarios where you've got extended family that do not like your Christian mm-hmm. uh, world, lifestyle, right. values, whatever, and so they're just right. already like ah that crazy that Chris he's just that crazy right. Christian guy. And so I don't know I don't have a great answer for that. Maybe that isn't yeah. you know the well and that's and that's something we talked about in the message on Sunday right. is looking at God's solutions for being declared innocent mm-hmm. and for hope in the midst of suffering and for love and contrasting them with the solutions of the world mm-hmm. because the world thinks the world thinks it has a better answer for justice and for hope yeah. and for love than God does and so th- that can seem like okay you have these diametrically opposed systems so the world is going to be offended when we say your answer is wrong God answers right and that might be true mm-hmm. and i also think People recognize that the world's systems fail. Don't work. You yeah. don't have to go far to you don't find have to convince <laughs> that the justice system in the world, broken. not just America, deeply broken, mm-hmm. that suffering doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. 
why do bad things happen to good people is a yeah. question that's like one of the most Googled questions yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. world. People yeah. recognize that. Yeah. And for love, our world <laughs> can't find a consistent answer on what love is. It right. keeps changing every right. five to ten years of, well, it's this, it's this, it's this. And sure. so we, while there are certainly people that will hear God's solution is a better solution and be offended, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that will pique their interest because they see the world fail them yeah. every single day. Yeah, pique, pique their interest or they just ignore you. Mm-hmm. Which is different than being offended, right? So I don't know that we have to stress so much about right. this person in my face going, ah, "I can't believe you." Anyways, yeah, yeah. yep, good. Yeah. And in terms of in terms of keeping the friendship, uh, that's that's why we spent so much time emphasizing yeah. the importance of building relationship. Yeah. Is if you've really built this organic relationship where yeah. you're doing dinner and you're in each other's lives and your kids are playing sports yeah. together, it's out of love. Like yeah. you care, you care. That's why you're sharing these things, not because you're trying to check get the box. A, Check the box, get a notch in your yep. belt, a crown in heaven, you know, whatever other crazy stuff that we say. Yep. Yeah, it really is out of care for people. Yep. I like it a lot. All right, last question. Um, what do you do when God doesn't answer your prayers? For example, Mark prayed for his friend to be healed, but she passed away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a great question. Yeah. Um, so for those of you that uh, that might need a ref- refresher, I shared the story of a uh, uh, a good friend of ours, um, actually, I, I didn't share in the message, but she was one of Julie's really good friends uh, that worked at the university, at Spring Arbor University with us, uh, got in a car accident, really traumatic injuries, um, was in uh, was basically in a coma for two days and passed away. Uh, and she had her whole church, we had the whole university spending time in prayer over Emily, um, and she passed away. Uh, and so I shared the story of her mom's response to that situation and the hope that she carried with her in mm. the midst of the most unimaginable pain of her 27-year-old daughter passing away, mm. not being able to say goodbye, mm. um, all of that. Uh, but there was so much hope in that that 10 people gave their lives to Jesus mm. because of her story. Um, but then you're, you're wrestling with the question of, okay, literally thousands of people are praying for Emily yeah. to be healed, to be spared, to come out of her coma, to be able to say goodbye to her family, to to do all this stuff. And seemingly God's response was no. Right. So why, why do we then pray? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great question that I think a lot of people still wrestle with. That's a whole nother sermon series. We'll get <laughs> right. on that in the fall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. try to help there. It comes down. It comes down to the question of what what is prayer for? Yes. What's the purpose of yep. prayer? Um, yep. And I know the heart behind this question is not you know why why isn't God the genie that grants me my wish when I ask for prayer? Um, the the heart behind this prayer is gosh, like it seems. Well, we kind of we do paint that picture though. When I say we, I don't necessarily mean you and I or even right. North Point, but just church in general. We paint the picture that uh, if you yeah. pray, we use verses. You right. know, if you pray, uh, then that. That moves God. That motivates. That activates right. God. And 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 I've always struggled, just personally, if I'm being honest on yep. a podcast, with yep. um, this concept that. And the more people you have praying, right. And then we never really finish it by saying God has to do something because you have right. more people, and now He's really on the hook in front of yes. more people. But we do infer that. And I right. and I and I want to let you go where you're going because I think we're trucking down a road yep. for a couple minutes of maybe maybe prayer is less that and more. Yeah. yeah. The the two things that I that have helped shape my prayer life is that one, I'm going to pray for what God tells me to pray for. Um, And it's very clear throughout the old and the new Testament that God wants his people to pray, pray to him for healing, Mm -hmm. pray to him for the betterment of people. 
Um, <clears throat> and so you see that clearly in the New Testament that people are supposed to be brought before the elders, anointed, prayed over, prayed for healing. Um, that it's just clear that that's one of the things that God desires prayer for is, hey, if you are sick, pray, pray mm-hmm. for that. And so God tells his people, pray for this. So to me, it's almost, it would be, <laughs> this is probably an extreme application of it, but it's almost a sin to not pray for it hmm. because this is what God has said, pray for this. And at the same time, the other aspect that has shaped my prayer life is how much of your prayer life is spent listening yeah. instead of asking. Amen. Um, because prayer we tend to think of it, like like you said, we've kind of shaped this understanding of prayer as prayer is asking mm-hmm. for stuff. Prayer is almost this pagan ritual of go to the temple, yeah. sacrifice this thing, yeah. say your prayer, and hopefully the gods will send rain on your crops. Yeah. Um, and really, prayer is meant to be communicative mm-hmm. both ways. Mm-hmm. And so how much of my prayer life is spent shutting up mm-hmm. and just listening to what God has to say? Because mm-hmm. um, I'll even say in my own life, like I... <clears throat> For, uh, for some of you might know, I have really bad back pain. Just, I've just had it ever since high school. Like my back will spasm up. It'll get super, super tight. It goes like down into my leg. It's a pain in the butt, literally. Well, it's a pain in the back. <laughs> it's a pain in the pain butt. In the back. <laughs> um, and this hit me really bad two or three years ago hmm. um, at a different church. And so I had people praying over me and I was praying. And I, God said to me, stop praying for healing on this hmm. because I'm trying to teach you something. Hmm. And so I told people, I was like, I'm not going to tell you to stop praying, but I'm not praying for healing anymore. I'm praying for God. What are you trying to teach me in the midst mm. of this? And that's, that's a big part of what he was trying to teach me was mm. when, I'm, when you're experiencing this suffering and pain and trauma, mm-hmm. there's times where it's appropriate to pray for healing. Mm-hmm. And if we're listening mm-hmm. to what God is saying, there might be times where God says yeah. like, hey, you know, maybe if I was, and this is all the what ifs that really aren't super helpful, but maybe in Emily's situation, Maybe God was saying, hey, Mark, like, I want you to shift your prayer towards her family mm. because they need comfort and peace in mm-hmm. this time. And I'm going to take Emily home. Mm-hmm. Emily's going to be healed yeah. completely. Yeah. So that prayer is going to be answered yep. that Emily will be healed. Just not the way that we, not we the, were hoping. Not the way that you designed it. Yeah. It's the way that I designed it. Yeah. Um, and now I want you to shift your prayer towards her mom, her yeah. dad, her siblings. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'm way off in prayer. I'm, I'm curious what you think. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, no, I, I, I'm spot on I'm with you 100%. Uh, even as you tell a story about your back pain, it makes me think again of Paul, since we're talking Romans. Paul has this similar experience, right, where he's got this thing that vexes right. him, right. and he prays multiple times for it to be removed, and God finally says no. Yep. Like, that that actually is helpful. Maybe it's helpful. I was going to say it's helpful, but then I'm thinking, maybe I don't want to hear no <laughs> from God. So let me argue that in my head while I'm still talking. But uh, for Paul, you know, to be clear, hey, I'm not going to take that from you. You're going to deal with that because I need it to keep you humble. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I guess that's that's that. So it's just interesting because we, right. we see that. Um, I, I just, I'm with you 100% that we make prayer about us and about asking when it's really about relationship communication. Yep. My favorite text on prayer of, of all the places I could go, it's in Genesis, nah, the middle somewhere, yeah. uh, Jacob. There's this moment where Jacob wrestles with God, and people don't think about that as a text on prayer. I think that is the text on prayer, yeah. where Jacob, uh, if you don't know the story, wrestles, he sees an angel, he starts wrestling with him, and then the, yeah. the story gets weird because he wrestles till daybreak, and the angel, who we think is God somehow in that yeah. concept, uh, says, let me go, and Jacob's like, nope, you got to bless me, and then God like punches him in the hip, and then his <laughs> hip is wrenched. This whole episode, anyways, it's a whole thing. It's a different sermon, but... Yeah. <clears throat> The concept that Jacob would not let God go, yeah. and God had this very intimate 
uh, wrestling is a very <laughs> intimate sport. I mean, it's right. not boxing. Right. right? It's yeah. right there. Uh, and that, that to me is prayer. Yeah. So I don't know what Jacob was trying to get out of that. I think it started yeah. by trying to get this blessing and then it just morphed into this. I'm just here with you and we're not, this is not done. And God playing with him in that yeah. concept. And then they all yeah. learn something out of the end of it. And this really beautiful thing happens at the end yeah. of the story. So that concept of prayer. Yeah, uh, I love that. Moving away from the asking or the listing. Yeah. yeah so, I, when it comes to, when it comes to prayer specifically on healing, if you're, if you're experiencing sickness or disease or, you know, whatever it might be, um, that this isn't a text on healing, but I think the, the principle behind this, I think applies, uh, with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Hmm. So if you don't know the story, they're about to be thrown into a furnace and burned alive. Yeah. Um, and they tell the king, they're about to be thrown in and they tell the king, God can deliver us from this. And God will deliver us from this. Mm-hmm. But even if he doesn't deliver us from this, yeah. we're still going to worship him. Yeah. And so that is something that I apply to healing I as like well. It. But even if not. God can take away yeah. cancer. Yep. God will take away cancer. One day. But even if he doesn't, yeah. I'm still going to worship God. Yeah. And so it's this it's this concept of, God, this is... I. This is the desire of your heart because one day there will be no more death, no more Amen. pain, no more sorrow. So yep. this is a desire of God's heart to wipe away sickness completely. So I'm going to pray for that. And even if that's not answered in the way that I want it to be answered right now, I'm still going to worship God through yep. that. That's yep. I think that's part of what prayer does is it, um, I was going to say it humiliates us. <laughs> Sometimes it does humiliate us because you, <laughs> and, and you, you pray this yeah. very public prayer of yeah. God, like the our university prayed very public prayer of yeah. healing over Emily. Yeah. She wasn't healed yeah. in the way that we wanted. Yeah. And there's some humility that comes with that. <clears throat> but humility draws us closer to God. Yeah. And that, that for me is another big thing of what prayer is, is that even if I pray things that God doesn't answer the way I want them to, it forces me into a position where I must rely on God mm-hmm. rather than myself mm-hmm. for the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are all things that that's why God designed prayer to be the way it is, is. And there's nothing wrong with being authentic and honest with God. He already knows anyways. Pray for the thing that you want. Right. Right. I mean, don't don't fake it. Don't try to make it sound spiritual. Right. Pray for the thing that you want. Right. I want my back pain to go away. I want this person here. Right. Pray for that. Right. And also. Right. But even if not. Right. Yeah. Know. And that's that's I think. <laughs> do I trust God to do the best thing yeah. for His people? Yeah. Where He says that I'm going to work everything together for good yeah. for those that love me yeah. according to my will, according to my purpose. Um. And so I know one day I will not have back pain. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I will have back pain. Today and tomorrow, probably. Probably. If I, do, if I do, if I go out and work in the yard today, which I'm planning to do, yeah. I will feel that later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will take my muscle relaxer later yeah. because that's how I can get relief now. Sure. And I can continue to pray for that. Mm-hmm. And I know because God is good, he has promised to completely heal that. Yeah. And he gets the glory for that, yeah. to do it in his way, to do it in his design. And do I trust God to do that? That's part of what prayer does for me is I have to trust God. Yeah. Amen. So. Well, there you go. Theology of sin, theology of prayer, theology of uh, discipline, all in uh, 20 minutes or less. That's so that's verses in Romans. So. Holy mackerel. So I feel like each of these questions should be their own sermon. So 100%. Uh, anyways, yeah. hey, any, any last word for uh, for listeners or for us? or? Yeah, um, a little bit of housekeeping. Yeah. Um, the next series is on Colossians. We talked about this on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. So be sure to add that to your regular reading. Start reading through Colossians um, just so we can do that as a church together. That'd be great. Uh, and then, yeah, as we're wrapping up who cares uh, continue to pray for the people around you mm. um, pray that God continues to provide opportunities to share Jesus and let the, let the thing that we share be love yeah. um, because 
just because we're ending the series on quote unquote evangelism doesn't mean where it's like, all right, we're moving on to the next thing. Who cares about the people around you? Yeah. <laughs> That's why we call it who cares. Yeah. Because God cares and you should care. Because <laughs> it matters. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for spending, uh, I don't know, whatever it was, the last half an hour with us. We appreciate that. Uh, make sure to like and share and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Do all that stuff. You guys know what it is. If you found this, you know how to work social media. So uh, help us out with that. Jump on that. And then uh, thanks for submitting your questions, and we'll catch you next week. 